Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons, greetings, and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I'm JP Motor. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Rob, I am doing fantastic. Knew you would be. From the uh, very first note of this Yacht Rock classic, I can feel the wind in my hair, palms trees just magically sprout up behind me. A yeah. non-alcoholic fruity drink with an umbrella <laughs> appears in my hand, and I get the cheesiest of smiles and then i move in slow motion for the next three minutes and 16 seconds and all is well with the world yeah rob tell them which bearded wonder we're hanging out with today and what tropical jam we are covering oh we're sailing away to key largo with birdie higgins Uh, feel the warm breeze already around each other Trying so hard to stay warm That first cold winter together Lying in each other's arms Watching those old leaves Falling in love so desperately Honey, I was your hero And you were my leading lady Take it out, y'all We had it all Just like Bogey and Bacall Starring in our own late, late show Missing all the things we did We can find it once again Just like they did in Key Largo Land in that soft Uh, four Oh yeah Beautiful, absolutely That's Key Largo by Sir Bernie Higgins There we go from the 1981 album Just Another Day in Paradise, written by Bertie Higgins and Sonny Limbo. It went to number eight on the Billboard Hot 100, number one on the U.S. Adult temp, uh, Contemporary Chart, number 50 on the U.S. Hot Country Chart, number three in Canada, number one in the Canadian AC Chart, there we go. two in Australia, number six in Ireland, eight in New Zealand, 18 in South Africa, Number 60 in the UK. They weren't feeling it quite as much. Still a top 100 hit. It's funny that uh, this one was number one in Canada, and the one last week didn't even chart in Canada. Yeah. So this is back for you Canadians out there. That's right. Here we go. Um, It spent 17 weeks in the top 40. It is certified gold in the US and Australia. Maybe some other places. I don't know, but that's what I saw. Um, uh, So this is one of those songs. We have these occasionally um, that, that... you mentioned this song. You brought this song, you know, to me to, to to pitch to do an episode on, and I was like, I don't think I know that song. And you're like, you know it. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think so. And so I play it, and I think I was in my car or something. I can't remember. Um, and I just went. It hit the chorus, and I went, Oh my gosh! <laughs> like this overwhelming nostalgic flood just filled my car and my life. 
And I just remembered the thousands of times I've heard this song uh-huh. as a kid um, in the you know back of my parents' Ford Tempo or whatever, just going, oh, my God. Like, I've heard this song so many times. Like, yes, yeah. I absolutely know and love this song. Um, it's just one of those weird... I don't know how those gaps happen that you can literally forget something like that exists. And then when you start to hear it, you know, every word you in that weird, yeah. like I, I, there's been a few songs that were like that, you know, before now this, this happened before we um, started the show. But when I first sort of rediscovered waiting for a star to fall by boy meets girl, oh, it was that oh. same thing for me. It was love like, how did I forget how much I love this? Different you know? kind of nostalgia with this, whereas that's more yeah. mall, but it's still the same the same take back. And to kind of tie in, actually, uh, versus me completely pitching it to you, this uh, birdie's actually person reached out to us. Right. I don't know if you remember that. So yeah. that kind of is a nice little tie in there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, always nice when you know an artist reaches out and is like, hey. Can we come on? Yeah, that's such like, a nice. Yeah, feeling. we'd like to be on with you. You know, that makes us feel good about the show for sure. Um, and so he's gonna he's gonna come on with us uh, in a, just a few minutes. Birdie's gonna be on the show with us uh, today, talking about this song and his uh, his life in the tropics. You know, he's living that the Florida Music Hall of Fame. That's right, the Trop Rock Life uh, and his new collection of uh, of albums uh, that Time Life is helping him to release on streaming platforms. All things sponge diving. There you go, sponge diving. That's talk. We're we're gonna talk some sponge diving. I know you guys have been waiting ten seasons, five years. We've been waiting. We're finally gonna talk about sponge diving. Um, okay, a few listening notes on this. It's pretty simple as far as like theory. I don't have any big like theory notes. It's got those breezy vibes. Uh, now it's interesting. This song opts for like a piano where you might uh, normally expect to hear something like a steel drum, mm-hmm. right? Like if, you know, if this was Margaritaville, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd be hearing a steel drum, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, but I like the touch of the piano, yeah. and I, th- I don't think it's intentional necessarily, but the, the piano gives off more Humphrey Bogart vibes to me. Like I think I of like yeah. Sam and Casablanca, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, but it's probably just coincidence, not necessarily. Steel drum gives off more Michael Scott vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I coughed all over that. Feeling hot, hot, hot. That's Michael right. Scott. Feeling hot, hot, hot. It's sandals. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty simple song arrangement-wise, too. It's verse, chorus, verse, double chorus, and out. But uh, the verses are pretty long, so the song still clocks in over three minutes, you know what I mean? But you listen to it and go, was that short? No, it wasn't short. It's just there's no bridge. No there's key no, change. Like, pre-chorus. Yeah, no key change, no guitar solo, saxophone solo, anything like that, steel drum, so, you know, whatever. Um it's just here's the song, you know, but it was written with a purpose. Uh, yep. That's why this song, this song had a this this song was almost literally a, a message in a bottle, you know, as it were. Um, as the story has it, Birdie wrote this song about an ex named Beverly Seaberg, like he said this, you know, um, and with whom he used to watch old movies. So like this, this everything about this story is in the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, uh, you know, they had this relationship and they had this thing of watching these old Humphrey Bogart movies, but she left Birdie and he was devastated for a couple years about it. Um, and he wrote this song hoping that it might somehow reach her and give her like a change of heart. Lo and behold, it did. Uh, they got married a year later and they had a couple of kids and they were married for like 14, 15 years. They were married until 1995. Um, so like it worked. I mean, he, you know, had this like, Literally wrote this song like you're throwing a message in a bottle in the sea, hoping it reaches the shore of the 
your lost love. Uh-huh. And it did. What are the odds of that? You know. So let that be an encouragement to you guys out there. If yeah. you want to win the girl, write a hit. Write the song. Just write it. Yeah. Put it out there. You never know. You never know. You know. And it this- doesn't even have to have a key change or a guitar solo. <laughs> just write a song. Yeah. Just write it, man. And uh, just see. It's why it's truly. It's wild to think that you know this song became like a national hit and uh-huh. and it. It just did what he wanted. That's so funny to me that he's like, you know, it's like dreams do come true, man. Write the song. You guys. <laughs> you know? um, the song was released as a single first with the full album uh, coming out a, about a year later. It had another uh, uh, another mild hit on with Just Another Day in Paradise. Um, and uh, yeah, a couple of um, interesting, notable women involved in this production. Uh, the young woman in the video, if you remember the video, uh, is a then 17-year-old high school senior, Patty Wolf. Um, and do you want to tell us a little bit about Well, he Patty tells Wolf? the story. So, yeah, he, he True. it's pretty cool. We asked him about about kind of how he landed uh, Patty, but she uh, does an ABC sports show sports show, sure. uh, right now. Um, and I guess you can talk about how she was at the high school. And- she, yeah, and she uh, so she has a very detailed blog on her website, uh, the website of the Patty Wolf Media Group, which she runs. Uh, about the filming of the video and her experience and how it maybe got her out of some trouble with her principal. Um, Side note, she was the editor of the high school yearbook, and she was so camera shy that she didn't even include a photo of herself in the yearbook. Um, but but yet she's in this video. But yet she's in this video. So you can you can go to pwmediagroup.com if you want to read that blog. And um, it's got a kind of a pretty detailed account of uh, you know her involvement and how she ended up in the video uh, and the trouble it got her out of. Also, side note, you may actually you may have this in Meet the Band. So why don't we do this? Why don't we meet the band? Okay, we meet him, and, and then, then you we'll can throw back. in your side note if I miss it. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! All right, we're going to meet the band that played on Key Largo, and there's a lot. So there, this list for as, I don't want to say simple production, but it doesn't feel like there's as much going on. There's right, a yeah. lot going on okay. of musicianship on this. So Bertie Higgins, main vocals, guitars. He does a little of the light cymbals and percussion on there too. Okay. Vocals. Listen to all these backing vocals that sing that big gang vocal. Gloria Higgins-Burke, Doug Johnson, Man and Phyllis, Loisiano. I might be botching that last name. Sorry, guys. I know y'all listen every week. Lou Moss, Dave Powell, Susie Smith, Mike Sullivan, and Cheryl Wilson. There's a lady in my church named Cheryl Wilson, and she's sings tender tennessee christmas it's awesome okay. difference cheryl wilson there's the backing vocals okay. do you know who cheryl wilson is there i put myself to make some notes that i did not write okay. so tell me because i think i talk about her later on something but go ahead okay you, you run with it so uh, cheryl wilson is is be- probably better known as cheryl ladd there we go uh, okay charlie's angel charlie's angel okay. cheryl ladd actress model and a musician. She was also part of the original Josie and the Pussycats lineup. She was one of the voices of uh, the original Josie and the Pussycats. Cool. And she's still putting out music. She had a song uh, called Miles to Go on a 2022 film called A Cowgirl Song. Well, there so, you go. Like, Next yes. week on the Great Song Podcast. That's Just right. kidding. We need to track down Cheryl Wilson, a.k.a. Cheryl yeah, Ladd. Cheryl Ladd Wilson. There you go. That's good stuff. Uh, Jacqueline Smith can come in and sing uh, as well, too. <laughs> sure, Kate, yeah. we'll get all of them. Yeah. All right. Acoustic and electric guitars, Ken Bell, Shelton Irwin, Barry Richmond, three other guitar players. That's a lot. Electric There's a guitars. lot. Uh, well, that's acoustic and electric. Okay. They oh, play oh, both parts. Nice. Um, Jeff Pinkham and Norman Blake both played mandolin on okay. this album, uh, or on this track, excuse me. Two keyboard slash piano people, Jeff Healy and Steve Nathan. I don't hear... 
that Jeff Healy? Different Jeff. Uh, John Healy. Okay. Oh, John, okay. No, not not from the Jeff Healy. Okay. No, not, like, not Angel Eyes. Okay. Yeah, no. Um, I don't hear Sax on here. Do you hear Sax on here? Sax is credited to a guy named Ed Lehman, but I don't remember any sax part. So, mm. so it's really buried in the mix, or maybe it's a different arrangement. Sax on the beach. There we maybe go. it's it, it, kind of in the outro as they're. Let's listen. To it. Okay, so that's Cheryl Ladd, apparently. Oh yeah, those it, yeah, those in between vocals. It's strings. Yeah, I don't know it's strings. Maybe he played on the album and they just let him throw on on the track. Yeah. Um, on hmm. bass, two bass players, Gary Baker and Arch Pearson. Wow. On drums, two drummers, Owen Hill and Bill Marshall. So I'm wondering if one was overdubbed somehow. Yeah. Maybe if they laid down and one was an overdub and they just gave. Huh. Um, and then Mickey Buckins and Edward Higgins both played some percussion on there. So wow. tons of musicians on yeah. what seems like a simple project. A pretty, yeah. So I don't know which pieces were first, what the foundation was. We could have asked Birdie that. But anyway, a lot of a lot of credit there. And there may very well be some different mixes that, yeah. like, you know, a radio mix and a whatever mix yeah. and an album mix. Um, so that's the band. Pretty extensive wow. band. We're that's crazy. It would be a shorter section, but. Yeah, dang. That's like, that's that's wild. Um, I do love the uh, the hits in the middle of the chorus, right? The of course you got the big one for the boom, boom. We had it all, you know. But then they do it again in the middle of the chorus before the here's looking at you, kid line, you know. Here's looking at you, kid. It gives such a lift yeah. in the middle of the chorus, and then you've got Cheryl Ladd's vocals. Here's looking at you, kid. Mm. You know that was one of the things that really blew my mind about when I first listened to this song again. I, I, I was like, am I imagining that these vocals are coming? Cause they're not in the first chorus. Uh-huh. It only is from the second chorus. Okay. On. And, and so the first chorus comes and it's not there and I sing it to myself, you know, we had it all. And you're like, and oh, I'm maybe like, that's just what I would do yeah. if I was singing background vocals. Yeah. And then they come around on the second chorus and I went, I knew it. Like, <laughs> but you know, yeah. So I just love it. Uh, embedded in my memory. I just needed, needed it unlocked. Um, and the, the probably the most singable line in here to me. I don't know. Here's looking at you, kid. It's very, very singable. But also the rhythm on sailing away to Key Largo, <laughs> right? It's so breezy, and it's like I don't know. It's just something magical about that line to me, and his his vocal uh, quality there. Something about that I just really love. A little more on the video. The video opens with eight glorious bars of Birdie staring off into the <laughs> palm trees. <laughs> With the wind blowing through his hair. Shirt unbuttoned. Shirt unbuttoned. Gold chain hanging. Smoking a cigarette so smoothly uh-huh. and intentionally. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 almost jarring to see people smoking on screen right. anymore. You know I think I mean? we like, talked, ironically enough, to go back to the boy, the boy Meets Girl episode about casual smoking. <laughs> <laughs> casual smoking, yeah. Uh, it, but it's like, it's like he's just standing there kind of staring off, and then all of a sudden there's this cigarette. Uh-huh. Even on like Netflix now, it'll put up in the top left corner yeah, like, like a, smoking, yeah, like a warning. They're a warning. smoking. Yeah. Uh, when it used to be just so calm, uh-huh. you know, you watch like movies from the 70s uh, and before. Heck, even, even like, Andy Griffith TV show, he smokes. Does he really? In the first couple seasons, the black and white episodes. Yeah. The very first couple seasons, it shows him smoking. And then over like time, wow. you can say like, well, this is when smoking became a little bit more, not as PC. But huh. yeah, it's like, I never knew Andy smoked. Wow. Yeah. Dang, how about that? Dynamite drop in. Uh, let's see. Okay, so obviously there are a lot of references to the movie Key Largo. That's kind of what this is based on. Um, 
you know, uh, that he's saying we're watching this movie and we're going to, we can be like they did in Key Largo when they, mm-hmm. you know, refound their love. Um, the movie Key Largo was released in 1948. It was based on a 1939 play by Maxwell Anderson. It starred Humphrey Bogart, a.k.a. Bogey. You hear this in the chorus, just like Bogey and Bacall. That would be Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, uh, as well as Edward G. Robinson uh, and a couple of others uh, starred in Key Largo. It was the fourth film to, to co-star Bogey and Bacall. Um, 1944's To Have and Have Not, 1946's The Big Sleep, and 1947's Dark Passage all preceded Key I didn't Largo. even know those other three existed yeah. or one fact about them. <laughs> well, now you do. Now you know their names and when they came out and who and who started That's them. That's right. You, you huge know, bogey fans you know, out there like, come on, the right. Dark Sleep is the, like the best. Yeah. Um, the line itself, here's looking at you, kid, was delivered by Humphrey Bogart, but not in Key Largo. It's, that's actually from Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Case, Casablanca? Casablanca. You say Casablanca or Casablanca? I say Casablanca. But it should be, right? If you were saying it in like Spanish be, or something, yeah. it would be yeah. Casablanca. 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 That line isn't in his song, Casablanca, though. He actually has a song called right. Casablanca. Right, ha- yes. There's some like weird intertwining, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, and that line, here's looking at you, kid, is ranked as the number five movie quote of all time oh, man. by the American Film Institute. The line was originally Did improvised. Did you write down the list? Did you, you know I wrote yes, down the list. Rob loves Come on. list. Here we go. Uh, that was, the line was originally improvised by Bogart in a different scene, and they liked the read of it so much that they kept it in the scene that, that it ended up being in uh, and became famous in. So, yeah, I do have the top five. I didn't go all the way, but here's the top five. Number five Wait, is here's, say the say the quote, and I'll see if I can say the movie. Okay. Uh, yeah, for sure. You can say the movie. I should yeah, know yeah. Him, right? Uh, how about I give you the movie and you give oh, me the gosh, quote? That'll be tougher. All right. We can try. Uh, right. uh, I, don't know. I think you can do it. Okay. I'll you try. just think about the most quoted gosh. thing from this movie. Okay. okay. So Casablanca, 1942. Here's looking at you, kid. All right. Um, the Wizard of Oz, 1939. There's no place like home. Four. That's good, but no. Give me, oh, give me one more. Um, it's related to an episode we've done, a band we've covered. Toto? We're not okay. in Kansas anymore. Actually, it's related to two. Yes, <laughs> we're not in Kansas anymore. Yes, Toto. The, the full quote is Toto. I have a feeling we're, we're not, not in Kansas, Kansas anymore. anymore. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number three would be on the waterfront. Have you seen on the no, waterfront? I haven't seen that one. Okay. You might know this quote though. This is uh, um, this is uh, what's his name delivering this line? Marlon Brando okay. delivering this line. You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody instead of a bum, which is what I am. Okay. Yeah, it's I've heard the quote from on the waterfront. I didn't want to know the movie. I would have picked a Godfather quote if it was Marlon Brando. I first learned that quote from Billy Joel. Uh, it's on the it, he quotes that in the opening track of River of Dreams, which is uh, Rob's favorite Great album. China. The, I love River of Dreams. Uh, but he's you could have class, you could have been a contender. Anyway, that's that's where I first learned it because uh, I've never seen on the waterfront. But that, obviously, well, what's the before. what's the Godfather Marlon Brando quote if you pick one? Offer you can't refuse. Well, that's number two. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it is. I'm going to make him an, an offer, offer he can't, can't refuse. refuse. How about that Brando with yeah. two in the top five? Right, how about it's freaking that? awesome. And then number one, you want to guess? You want to just no. take a wild guess at the movie or the or the quote? Keep the change, you filthy animal <laughs> from Home Alone. Best quote of all time. That's, <laughs> that's great. What was the name of that movie in Home Alone? Angels with Filthy Souls. Wow. Well done. Way to just pull that. Angels with Filthy Souls, which was not a real movie. They made that movie for the movie. Like they shot that for Home Alone. I'm um, going to give you to the count of 10. Get your ugly lion. 
No good keister uh, off my property. That's anyway. great. Uh, the number one uh, AFI film quote of all time is from Gone with the Wind, oh, also okay. 1939. I knew it was going to be Gone with the Wind. And, and you know the quote? I should. It's got to be. I mean, there's only one thing really it can be, right? The, what's the one quote That's what I'm trying to, that I everybody I, knows from Gone with the Wind? Started. It was a big deal because the first time anybody swore in a movie. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Frankly, Frank, my dear. I don't give a. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. I don't, I don't, frankly, my dear, I don't give a dang. Uh, I believe that's the first swearing in a movie, I think. Really? Uh, I think so. Uh, um, I know it was a big deal that he said it, and it was a big deal that he swore. And I don't, maybe it was the first like major movie that had swearing in it or something like that. I don't really Wolf know. Wolf of Wall Street's like, let me show you something. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. He got nothing. Why don't we stump the genius, Let's and then I'll come back with my last little bit. Let's do it. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. Your part. All right, since uh, Rob just stumped me on Stump the Genius, I'm going to play Stump the Genius Beach Trivia. Okay. So here we go. We're going to do a little beach trivia today. Let's do this. What Barry Manilow song is also the name of the beach that holds the largest New, Year- New Year's Eve party in the world? What uh, Barry Manilow song is also the name of the beach that holds the largest New Year's Eve party in the world? Maybe the biggest Barry New Manilow Eve. song. Why can I not think of it? Oh, uh, uh, that's got to be Copacabana? Copacabana. Ring that bell. Give yourself credit. Number one. What was the name of Tom Hanks' beach buddy in the movie Castaway? Oh, gosh. Wilson. Wilson. There we go. Okay. I was like, Walter? Infinity bonus points. If you get this, you're freaking brilliant. This is not question three. This is just why we're on Castaway. Do you remember Tom Hanks' character's name in that? No. Chuck Nolan. Do you remember who plays his girlfriend? Wilson. No, <laughs> Helen Hunt. Okay. okay, all right. Let's quickly turn into Castaway trivia. No. Let me stop. Hey, this. As a matter of fact, I'm not even sure I've seen. Castaway. Hate that movie. Okay. Hate it. There's like seven minutes of no talking. Yeah, I hate that movie. Anyway, my <laughs> wife likes it. I'd fall asleep well, so fast. Punt. Okay, name any of the actors in Weekend at Bernie's. Okay, I can name one. Okay, I, I know I can name one. I've I've just got it. I just need a second. I can see his face. Yep. Um, and he was in some other stuff in the '80s. Yep. Charlie something? No. It's, um, oh man, Andrew. Yes. Ooh, yes. Andrew. You're I don't right have his there. last name. McCarthy. McCarthy. You're oh. right there. I'm going to give you 0.5 oh, on God. that one. I get, I get it. Yeah, there you go. Single ding. Uh, Jonathan Silverman was the other guy. Car- yeah. Oh, Catherine- Corinth Silverman. I didn't see his face or I might have thought of his yeah. name. <laughs> Andrew Bernie, Silverman. <laughs> Bernie, I couldn't tell you his name. What's Terry his name? Kaiser. Terry Kaiser. Yeah, I have uh, no idea. Catherine Mary Stewart was the girl in it. Okay. So we're at 2.5 out of 3. Okay. You're doing well. Uh, which country is Bora Bora? Ooh. Which country is Bora Bora? It's a I'm hard one. I'm going to make a fool myself. Is it, it's an East Asian country, right? Like, um... Oh, I don't know. That's a hard French Polynesia. Oh, Polynesia. Okay, okay. Polynesia. Okay. Depending on how you pronounce it. Um, okay. So name at least three of the five Beach Boys, and at least one can't have the same last name. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. So there's five okay, Beach so Boys. Let's five. go. Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson. Uh, Mike Love. Mike Love. Um, so you've got that. You can pick any of the others. You can pick either other Wilson or the other one. Oh, you mean, oh, I couldn't name all Wilson. You couldn't be oh, like oh. Brian Wilson. Blah, blah. Okay. Um, uh, and why am I drawing a blank now? Um, you got Mike Love, Brian Wilson. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, they're all Wilsons. Uh, like, 
Bobby Wilson? Dennis and Carl. Dennis and Carl, of and course. And Al Jardine is the other yes, one. Yes, of course. So, Al, yeah. So you got two-thirds. Okay, let's do some math in our head here on I didn't some get points. my 80%. It's close, For though, because sure. no, you got out of... Let's do some I math. Got 2.5 plus another two-thirds of one. But you got it, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't there's know. no, there's I no math. We were close. We did well. <laughs> beach really, trivia. Yeah, there we beach go. trivia. Uh, let's follow it up with a little. Just Key Largo, the location. Okay, um, is part of the Florida Keys, uh, which is an archi- archipelago, archipelago, whoa, uh, or island chain okay. um, at the bottom of the Florida Peninsula. It's like if you go to Miami and you go about fifteen more miles, fifteen more miles, okay. you start hitting the Florida Keys, um, but you have to go through some water. Uh, it constitutes the southernmost point in the continental United States, the Florida Keys. Okay. Which is interesting. I didn't really That's pretty cool. think about that, but it's like lower than the tip of Texas, the, yeah. lower than the tip of California. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the yeah that's pretty Keys. cool. So there you go. Um, and then I just had this one note. This is my last thing. I had this note about Bertie Higgins, but you need to look up Bertie Higgins, the ultimate collection. Okay. That's one of his uh, new collections that is, available for streaming and it just it, in all his photos this is true but particularly on the um ultimate collection album cover he looks like a fantastic good guy pirate captain uh, <laughs> like not jack sparrow not jack sparrow he's not a scoundrel uh-huh. he looks like a hero hero sailor pirate captain okay. okay he's got the the black shirt with the goatee the like uh-huh. just kind of a manicured goatee yeah um with some like it now this is all you see of him is the white shirt with the open co- uh-huh. you know open collar open button kind of thing that's all you see of him and the like he's kind of feathered longish black hair you know but then imagine then with some black gloves and, okay. a, and the, the puffy white shirt i feel like i would just follow him okay you know if he was like just barrel chested comes uh-huh. up to save you, yeah. you know, from whatever sea the bad sea pirates yeah. or from, from a, Captain Hook, from Captain Hook, from a Kraken that's attacking your yep. vessel, you know, whatever. A, a reassuring look with a command of the sea. Okay, I feel like this is what Bertie Higgins has. That's you know? good. I would follow him to Key Largo. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. I think that's all I have as I'm far good. as uh, information. Yeah. And now we're going to go straight to the source and talk to Bertie Higgins about Key Largo, about his uh, legacy, about his favorite beach, uh, which I'm not going to lie, kind of surprised me <laughs> of all the beaches in the world. Yeah. Um, we asked him what his favorite beach is. But uh, you're, we're going to talk to a man who spent a lot of beach time yeah. in his day. I mean, he's like so very florida and has spent so much time uh you know in the in polynesian you know islands and stuff like that just what you would want from a guy that wrote a song called key largo absolutely you would want him to have some beach knowledge yeah he didn't write this in new york city you know what i mean this didn't get cranked out (laughs) by some publisher you know whatever who doesn't care no this is a man who's living it this is a man who's like is the beach is his life you know um, his life, his love, his lady is the sea, you know. Um, but not that, but yeah. not from that song. This from this song, Key Largo. This is we're sorry. Uh, but before we do anything else, drop what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. Stop paddling. I know you're trying to get to Key Largo. You're sailing to <laughs> sailing away to Key Largo. Um, but stop paddling for a second and get out your phone. You hopefully you have some reception. reception the, yeah. The, uh, yeah, or you brought some sort of Wi-Fi capability with you. Um. And uh, go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Follow us at Great Song Pod right there. And then it's the, yeah, it's that button. It's the round one that says follow. Um, hit that one, and then 
you're good. Yeah. Now do the same thing on Instagram and on Facebook. Good job. All right. Uh, then if you want to go the step farther, then you can go to patreon.com slash great song pod. You hit your web browser button. It's the one, if you're on an iPhone, it's called Safari. I don't know what it's called on Androids. Uh, is it just what internet Explorer? I don't even know what you have. Chrome, Google Chrome, Google Chrome. And go to patreon.com slash great song pod. Uh, and you can support the show there. Become a producer. We'll give you bonus episodes, extended shows, ad-free shows, uh, a whole other show that we do every week during the season called The Catch-Up with Rob and JP. You can check that out on Patreon as well. And, uh, yeah, and you'll have our eternal gratitude as well for helping us to produce the show and make it everything that it can be. Now that that's all done, we're going to go talk to the man himself, Bernie Higgins, Key Largo. Let's do it. Grab a pina colada and listen along. This is The Great Song Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with Trop Rock Master himself, Bertie Higgins. Bertie, thank you so much for joining us today on the Great Song Podcast. Boys, I'm glad to be talking to you. It's a joy. I'm telling you, it's really good. Excellent. Well, uh, it sounds like like things are going pretty smooth in your world. Your voice just sounds like a guy who's got a breeze blowing through his hair (laughs) and maybe a little drink with an umbrella in it in his hand, and that makes me happy. Um, We certainly do a lot of that around here. Yeah, (laughs) good deal. You were just telling us that that you live in the sponge-diving capital of the world, which brings us to our first question here for you. Yeah, I I read in your bio that you uh, supported yourself as a sponge diver. Can you tell our listeners what a sponge diver is and does? Well, it's dangerous and it's tiresome, but it's a w- way to make a living outside of the music business. Uh, I did that in my early 20s when I was first married and to support my family. And I'm not Greek. I'm Portuguese and Irish and German, half Portuguese. But growing up in this town, believe me, you become a saltwater boy. I mean, you, you're in the saltwater all the time. So, uh, in fact, there was a couple of Greeks came in and I taught them how to sponge dive. Uh, you, you jump over the side with a what they call a Desco breathing unit, and you walk around on the bottom. You put a lot of weight on it, and you walk around on the bottom. You got a hook in your hand, and you pull these sponges off the rocks. Uh, but it's interesting, man. I, I did it for quite a while. It's dangerous, too, and scary. You get down there, man. A lot of critters running around down there. I imagine you've seen some interesting, uh, yeah, some interesting aquatic life. <laughs> I've, you know what? I've seen some interesting life. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I lay in bed at night and said, did that really happen? Did I really do that? Well, one of the craziest things, I went on tour one time in Saudi Arabia, which is in the middle of the, of the uh, desert out there in the Middle East. And I got what they call desert throat. You can't speak above a whisper. Oh. So I couldn't sing. So my bass player at that time had learned all my material. And he kind of sounded like me. So we get on stage and he turned halfway to the audience with a mic and a lip synced the whole tour. Oh no my goodness. Way. That's amazing. Oh, I love that story. And none of those people knew what the hell was going on. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't because it was an interesting run. Wow. Okay. Well, well Rob's got a great question that'll segue into that's that. That's right. Speaking of uh, lip syncing of sorts, I did, I read that as a young man, you were a ventriloquist, uh, is right. that is that a skill that never goes away, or is that something you have to keep up so you don't lose it? Well, I had to quit when I was about 13 because I started stuttering, so the dummy and I were both stuttering, and I said, well, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so I quit. I quit. 
Okay. Wow. Interesting. That's very interesting. Uh, okay. Let's see. Moving on along. Uh, I think you're the first person. I think we can safely say this. I think you're the first person that we have interviewed in our history uh, who has uh, who probably has a good Burt Reynolds story. Uh, you got anything? Tell us, first of all, about your relationship with Burt Reynolds. That was an interesting uh, bit of uh, info we found in your in your bio. Tell us how your relationship with Burt Reynolds got started, and then uh, share a good Burt Reynolds story with us if you have one. Well, you know, his brother Jim was his transportation captain. Okay. And years ago, before we ever, ever had a hit, I had a demo tape, a little cassette, with uh, my me and my guitar. And Jim used to go pick up Bert in his tour bus when they were shooting Sharky, uh, Sharky's machine in Atlanta. And he made Bert listen to it every day, going to the set. Bert about drove him crazy. <laughs> well, it came to the point where Bert was shooting a TV series called uh, BL Striker, the ABC Mr. Movie of the Week, down in his home in Jupiter, Florida. And, uh, he got in touch with me through his brother, Jim, and said, have Bertie come down here. I'm going to have lunch with him because I got a song I want him to write. So I go down there, and we're sitting at Buccaneer Bills or something in Jupiter. And that's the first time. I, well, actually, I met Bert years before he was shooting The Man Who Loved Women uh, in Hollywood. And I was headed to Japan for my first Japanese tour. And, and I went over to the set and met him. Well. So I went down there, Bert and I put this idea together, and a song came out as Palm Beach. So I recorded it and took it back to him, and he just flipped. But Bert and I kept running into each other over the years. And about three years ago, just prior to his death, I was inducted into the Florida Artists, no, the Florida Music Hall of Fame, and he came over from Lauderdale and gave me the award. And then shortly there, I was voted into the Florida Artist Hall of Fame, along with uh, Tennessee Williams and Ernest Hemingway. So now I've got a plaque on the wall of the uh, Capitol Dome in Tallahassee, big, a big brass plaque. So all that kind of ran together. But Bert and I became friends over the years. Yeah, we don't, want to we don't want to breeze past the fact that you were in the Florida Music Hall of Fame yeah. in 2016 because that induction class was pretty strong with Jimmy Buffett, Tom Petty. I mean, that's a good uh, that's some good company to hang out with there. Yeah, I mean, a lot's happened to me, man. I was knighted, and then I, uh, I'm Sir Bertie Higgins, and I got a Ph.D. in music from Hanover University in Germany, so I'm Sir Bertie Higgins, Ph.D., and the band, I told the band, you need to kiss my ring or kiss me. Well, forget the other part. <laughs> and they said, we'll kiss your ring, man. That's awesome. So, and then I was inducted into the Mozart and Beethoven Hall of Fames. It's been wow. an interesting three, four years, man. Lots going on. Yeah, that's, no kidding. That's, you mentioned Birdie. How did you become Birdie Higgins? What's the, how, is that, a, I'm guessing, a nickname? What's the story behind that? Because you're Elbert Joseph. Well, my, my first real name is Elbert, E-L-B-E-R-T. And my mother said, when you were a little baby, you used to open up your mouth like a little bird when I fed you. Oh, so, okay. There we go. <laughs> That's excellent. There's a, there's a gem to know, isn't it? Isn't sure, wonderful? absolutely. Yeah. Good. Um, let's talk a little, bit about, a little bit about Key Largo. Key Largo is the song that I knew you for first uh, and, and youngest. And it was not just a hit. You know, it was number, it was top 10 in the pop charts. But I learned it as a kid on country radio, which is what I primarily listened to growing up. Um, 
what kind of success? I mean, what what did that kind of success mean for you? Having the the crossover effect, and did, and did that mean a, a wider audience for you as far as like sales and touring? Well, it scared me to death because you know here I was a guitar singer in a bar, you know, <laughs> with my old Martin guitar sitting on a stool night after night, and I was writing songs, and I finally wrote one. I was living in Atlanta at the time. And my publisher, Bill Lowry, I sat on the edge of his desk with an old beat-up guitar and played it for him. Well, the guy was a very successful song publisher. He weighed about 400 pounds, and all of a sudden, he got him started dancing behind his desk. <laughs> and he said, lad, if that thing ever gets legs, the thing will live forever. And it has. <laughs> wow. That's it's an awesome. amazing song. That's amazing great. song. I've seen you play it live, and you play it live pickless, like finger-playing. But I can hear right. what sounds like a pick on the recording. Do you remember, did you play that one finger style in the studio? No, I didn't. I used a very limber flat pick and strummed through it. <laughs> you see, when you record, you lay down a lot of different tracks. Uh, I'm not a great lead guitar player, but I have a pretty good finger style. So when I cut that thing, I sang it about 50 times, and poor old Doug Johnson, the engineer, went, Man, do you think you got it now? <laughs> well, I finally, I, I finally got a version that I liked. Yeah. But the funny thing was, I was going with my girlfriend who became my wife, and we'd split up. And there was only one station we were living in Atlanta called WWID and FM out of Gainesville, Georgia. Well, if you got in your car and you parked it just right and held your mouth a certain way, it'd come bleeding into the stations in Atlanta. <laughs> and through all the static, you could hear it. So what I did is I invited her out to lunch one day, and I had an arrangement with the program director. I said, man, if anything's going to get her back, this will. And we sat there in a the car, and at noon, we had an arrangement. He played it. And all the way through it, she's listening. And finally, when it was over, she said, is that really you? And I said, yes, dear. She said, well, you're singing flat on the last chorus. <laughs> and, I went, and I said, well, there goes the romance out the window. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, honesty is so important. Funny stuff, man. I can, I can tell you stuff to make your hair curl. <laughs> so I got a question about the video. Uh, your op- that opened white shirt and jacket combo, rocking that gold chain. Did you know Patty Wolf prior to the video? And to confirm, that's the same Patty Wolf that's on ABC Sports Show, right? Is that the same person? Right. She be- yeah, she became a producer. Well, what happened, uh, they sent a director down from New York. CBS Epic did, who was distributing my products. Uh, who's who's the artist that did all the tomato cans and stuff? What's his oh, name? Oh, uh, Andy Warhol, right? Well, it was Andy Warhol's director they sent down. Okay. And the, and the video's okay, nothing to write home about, but it's all right. And he came down and went to Tarpon Springs High School in the senior class and pulled this poor girl out of the senior class. She didn't want to do it, Patty Wolf. And... Uh, they talk, her parents talked her into it. But a funny thing happened on that thing. We ran out of time. It was supposed to end up happy, and it didn't. She was grumped all the way through it. <laughs> but about two, about two years ago, I hadn't seen Patty since we shot the thing. And I was doing a local TV show in Tampa, I think, with NBC Local. And it was a morning show. And I'm being interviewed by this woman and man. They were very smart and very good. But out of the corner of my eye, I saw this person coming on the set. And they found Patty, flew her in, and brought her over to the show. Blew me away. Oh, that's cool. As, that's neat. 
because she because she looked about as good as she did in the beginning. That's awesome. So we went out to lunch, but it was so good to see Patty. Yep, crazy right. stuff. Yeah. yeah, you uh, you started as a drummer. How does that influence your songwriting? I mean, it's pretty evident in Key Largo with the alternation of some beats hitting on the hi hat and some on the old fashioned rim click. How are you involved in the drum sounds of the stuff you write? Being a drummer, well, I'm harder on the band because of it because I'm really after the drummer all the time. I played drums with Tommy Rowe for several years, and we did a Brian Epstein tour, Beatles manager, way back when I was 19 years old in England and Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. But oh, it gave me a feel for rhythm guitar is what it did. But I, I wasn't playing hardly any guitar then, and I wanted to write. So that's why I left drumming and picked up an old Martin and started writing. And I wrote about, oh, I've written about 250 songs now. Wow. But I've run out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> you know, you can, only say, you can only say I love you so many ways. And I'm thinking about writing one called I Hate Your Guts, <laughs> which might be a whole different direction. That's awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> it could catch on. <laughs> yeah, well, you mentioned that tour. You, I know you toured some with the Rolling Stones and the Beach Boys, if I read that correct. And heck, even the Dave Clark Five being a drummer, I'm sure that was quite a treat for you. Is that, uh, is that fact true? Oh, yeah, it's all true. We did the Rolling Stones' first domestic show in the United States. Wow, that's it awesome. Was it was Statesboro, Georgia, at Southern University. And uh, we played in the basketball auditorium. Really crazy stuff. But yeah, I toured with all those bands. That's great. Some of, some of them were pretty good. The Rolling Stones are still about the same now as they ever were. Yeah. But I, they've got a real raw rock and roll sound, which I like. Uh, but, you know, back you know, when I've toured so much, you get to meet some of your heroes. And you hope they're all going to be good guys. Most of them are, but there's that are, there's a few that are not. You uh, want to name some names for us? <laughs> well, I'm sure we can get no, some extra views out of it. No, I don't want to bring out of the woodwork. <laughs> That's great. Well, speaking of speaking of meeting your heroes, then uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about recording with Roy Orbison on your version of his tune, Leah? Boy, that was a great night, man. I I think back on that night, it was fantastic. But see, I knew Roy, Roy from touring with Tommy Rowe. Ah. Uh, but we did it at a creative workshop in Nashville. And it was a cold winter night, and Roy come flying into the parking lot in a Ferrari, slid, the, slid in, <laughs> man. And uh, we get in the studio, and they faced, I was facing Roy about three feet away, and we both had a Neumann mic. And, it, and if anybody can get you to sing, it's Roy. Because if you can't sing with Roy, you just can't sing. Because that guy hit some notes in that song, especially the last one, put made my hair stand up on the back of my neck. <laughs> uh, and he became a good friend all, over the years. But Roy was a great songwriter, great singer. The guy died way too soon. He had a tough life, man. He had some bad things happen. Tell us about the treasure trove of Bertie Higgins music that Time Life has just made available uh, for streaming. Yeah, that was an amazing thing. They came to me and said, we'd like to put you on a new Time on a new time Life back by Warner Brothers streaming thing. And I said, well, let's do it. So they've already got out the first five albums. I had to redo, have the artwork redone, renamed. And what they do is they, they take songs from several, I got 27 albums, and drop them into these albums. And uh, it, in fact, there are already some of them on YouTube already. But it's it's an interesting thing. I think it'll do my royalties real well, which is 
basically, guys, I'm a singer-songwriter, songwriter first. And I wrote one song this year in the middle of the pandemic, and I wrote it last uh, Saturday over the weekend. It's called If the Yachts Are Rockin', Don't Come and Knock It. Funny stuff, man. Oh, yeah. Well, if, if we're not picking uh, Key Largo, my second favorite song that, that isn't Key Largo has got to be Cannonball from the album Wanted. Um, I love the guitar work, and I agree that nothing is impossible. That's uh, good stuff, Bertie. <laughs> well, I wrote that for Burt Reynolds' movie Cannonball Run 2. Okay. They didn't use it. They, they used the guy that he was committed to over the years. But I think the song's pretty good. I mean, I, I wrote that alone. And I think it's a pretty good little tune. I don't know if it's a hit, but it, I, I enjoyed writing it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, that's a great and the little... session, And the session, I do all my tracks in Nashville, boys. you got the greatest players in the world. But I do all my vocals out in Van Nuys, California, in a guy's garage. But it's all set up for vocals. And, and he's got perfect pitch, so if I screw it up, he fixes it. <laughs> but... Uh, I do all my tracks a little demo studio in Nashville called County Q. And it's amazing players, man. You know, like like one session he brought in a, uh, what did he bring in? He brought in a sax player or something, I can't remember. But the guy blew the heck out of the sax. And he, then he picked up a ukulele, played it great, picked up an acoustic guitar, played that great. <laughs> but these guys are world class. They don't just play one instrument great. They play several. And, uh, it was a crazy town. But, but I'd love to record in Nashville. I just think it's the best thing in the world. Well, heck, next time I, you're here, look in, us up for sure. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll hang out. <laughs> go get a, go out and go have get a, a beer. Huh? Have a brew. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, let me ask. Okay, I got to know. You've been, on, you've been on just about all of them, I imagine. What's your favorite beach in all the world? I don't know, man. I mean, there's some great beaches around. I mean, Clearwater Beach is to die for. It's yeah. one the best, one of the best. There's a little island offshore, Anclote Key, that I go out to a lot. It's got a great beach. Now, Hong Kong's got a great beach, too. Okay. I've spent a lot of time in uh, in the Pacific Rim countries. In 2019, I was in China eight times. But I spent a lot of time over there. And uh, down in the south part of China, they got some great beaches, too. But I think some of the best are right here in Florida. Go to, you ever been to Destin? Yeah, sure. What yeah. a great beach that is. I mean, it's to die for. Absolutely. I mean, it's just the best beaches, I believe, are in Florida. And I was in Hawaii a couple of times. I never went to the beach. I was doing a couple of gigs. But I've traveled in some pretty bizarre places around the world. <laughs> and as I said, I'll lay in bed at night and think, did I really go do that? You know? <laughs> And I got some great stories like David Allen Coe and Mel Tillis, who were friends. <laughs> but I can't talk about them yeah. on the air. Yeah, we're, we're a family-friendly podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, Bertie, thank you so much for your time. This has been fun. Um, we appreciate it. We got one question that we ask everybody. So let's say you're on tour. Um, heck, you could be in Florida. You could be wherever at. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Wherever. There you go. And you go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking of yours, I'll tell you mine. Uh, I get a Three Musketeers bar. When I was growing up, my mom would say you could have any candy bar you want, and I get a Three Musketeers bar. It's the most ounces. What is your uh, gas station snack <laughs> food of choice? <laughs> well, I, well, I quit eating all that junk because I had to. I was putting on pounds. You know, I'd 
rolled out of bed. I wouldn't get out of bed. I'd roll out of bed. And I said, <laughs> Bet, we can't go down this road anymore. So I'm careful about what I eat. But in, but in the olden days, it was always something like a three musketeers bar. Hey, there we go. There now go. we're talking. Well, next time you're <laughs> yep. in Nashville, I'll have a king size three musketeers waiting and we'll hang out. We'll come give a high five. So come look us up. I just heard my wife yell to the kitchen. She said, Not around me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's awesome. Fantastic. Bev's been a great inspiration for a lot of my writing because I sure love her a lot. So there you go. That's great. That's great. Well, this has been fun. We'll uh, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, have a good rest of the day. Thanks for hanging with us. God bless you, boys. It was a joy talking to you. Y'all be careful out there now. All right, thanks, it. man. Thanks, Cheers. Man. All right, bye-bye. Yeah. This is the Great Song Podcast. And that was Bertie Higgins sailing away to Key Largo. Oh, man, that was fun. With us today on the Great Song Podcast, what is your favorite fruity drink? Like, your, oh man, your yeah. like island drink of choice. Yeah, what is uh, that? Uh, strawberry daiquiri. Got to go yeah. to that. Okay, yeah, that's virgin. Just, we're all virgin. Yeah, just because I don't know what else to order. Really, okay. Yeah, I don't. I, I gotta go. You don't want to sound stupid. Don't want to sound dumb. Okay, so I don't want to be that guy. Um, I've got a few. You don't want to go to the beach and order like a. Uh, Bloody Mary, is that uh, a thing? like yeah. you know, that doesn't sound very islandy. Yeah. It doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, daiquiri. I don't know what constitutes a daiquiri. Pina colada seems safe. P- yeah, pina colada is amazing. Kind of pineapple drink. That's yeah, good. give me something that has like very fre- f- you know ground up ice and some kind of fruit flavor yeah. with an umbrella and whatever there you know, you probably some grenadine or some yeah cherry flavoring. Love a good pina colada or a strawberry colada if you want to mix it oh, up a little there bit. There we go. You know. Um, yeah, so let's do that. Okay, let's go grab one of those, and we'll be back next week with another amazing song. Until then, I'm Rob. I am JP. Go listen to some music.